0: Jesus Bible and current events from a Christian perspective, battling spiritual wickedness in high places, one podcast at a time. Welcome to the High Places Podcast. This is Jim, and we're back. Uh, just to catch you up on a little bit of news, we uh, have now uh, been accepted by iTunes for our podcast, and we're also on Spotify. So that's uh, along with uh, Stitcher and Google Play Music. And so you can see all of these. There's links to all of these on our website, JesusForSinners.com. So feel free to go over there. You can listen to the latest episodes right on our homepage. Uh, There's also a link in the audio section to the High Places podcast. uh, Or you can listen on your favorite uh, podcasting app uh, or website. So go ahead and, uh, subscribe and be sure to tell all your friends. Um, just a little, uh, we talked about the election, uh, last week and things are really, uh, getting into gear now. Uh, Elizabeth Warren has been in Iowa. Uh, Camilla Harris and Julio Castro. I think Julio Castro has, um, been in Iowa as well. Uh, Cory Booker and Camilla Harris are visiting Wall Street to get uh, some money because everybody's got to go to Wall Street and get some money. If they're going to run for president. Um, I shouldn't say everybody, uh, but a lot of people like to do that. And so things are in full swing. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to our podcast last week about, it's just kind of an overview of the election and um, the issues um, that we can see as it relates to where the world is going, and how that ties into Bible prophecy. So uh, that was back on January 5th, and so uh, if you haven't listened to that, uh, I'd suggest you listen to it, because we're going to be talking a lot about the elections for the next 22 months. Uh, But tonight, I wanted to talk about, uh, there was an article that came out um, in the Washington Examiner on New Year's Eve, but it actually references... A study by Barna that was published earlier in the year. In fact, I think they even have a. There, you can buy the uh, detailed uh, research they did. Barna does um, a lot of polling on religion in America, and uh, they always have some really fascinating information. And this was from a um, some research they did uh, early in the year, and they were looking at Generation Z. And now Generation Z, I have to get my numbers up here. Generation Z is uh the group of people born between 1999 and 2015. So we're already zooming past the millennials, and everybody's looking at Generation Z now because uh, they're number one in their teenage years, and that's when they start spending lots of money. Um, And there's been interesting information about them, too, that they tend to be more conservative than millennials. And so, um, traditionally, conservative has meant religious uh, and particularly Christian. Uh, That is not the case with Generation Z. Uh, Christianity and conservatism uh, are not synonymous. Uh, They probably haven't been for a while. Um, but with this generation, they are particularly not synonymous. Uh, so the, there's just some fascinating numbers and I have the report in front of me. So, uh, you'll forgive me if I pause a little bit as I look at this, but this, uh, has a lot to do with the way, um, you've seen young people evangelize to over the last several decades, uh, going back even to the seventies. Uh, because that's when, you know, it was kind of a response to the counterculture in the 60s. And all of a sudden, the Christian church wanted to be kind of cool and trendy. And it, it's one of these things like, oh, you can be a Christian and be cool too. Look at all the fun we have. Da, 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 da. But it's world fun, right? Why do you, um, why do so many churches uh, these days, uh, quote unquote churches these days, Why do they look more like rock concerts on Sunday morning? And you go to so many of their websites and what's the, what's the first thing you see? What's the like banner image at the top? It, it's, it's a concert, right? It's got the fog machines and the lights and people's hands in the air. And so this whole message is that, uh, you know, you can be cool and be a Christian too. Well, I would argue that's probably not the case uh, because the world defines what cool is. And cool, uh, certainly since the 1950s, has been defined as being a a rebel, uh, rebelling against uh, norms. And so um, people often call the devil the original rebel, and I guess that, uh, to an extent that's true. He rebelled against God. So the devil likes rebels, and cool likes rebels. And so the church trying to be cool, as defined by the world, is an extremely slippery slope, uh, but we can kind of see this. This is this has been an issue for um, a couple of decades. Like the millennials, or just uh, you look at the drop off uh, uh, in uh, religiosity as a term people are using with millennials, and these these are the the age group that all this slick hip trendy stuff has really been focused on. The 70s and the 80s, it was still kind of clumsy and they hadn't worked it all out. But you know, now seminaries are teaching all this stuff, marketing and that in at seminary. There's any number of issues with that that we'll, uh, that we'll talk about. But it, at the end of the day, it's, it's, um, people trying to come up with clever ways to get people saved. And, uh, there's a issue with that because Jesus said, I will build my church. And this is a uh, reminiscent of what, uh, Spurgeon was dealing, uh, with, uh, if you read about the downgrade controversy and, the kind of pragmatism, uh, you know, if, if what we're doing gets people into church, then it must be good and let's do it. um, they need to look at Matthew chapter 13 and the parable of the sower uh, because there's uh, a lot of tares being sown among the wheat that way. Uh, But anyway, let's get into these uh, numbers and then we can talk a little more about the effect. So we're talking uh, teenagers, basically. And one of the first takeaways from this was um, atheism has really caught on. Um, Generation Z is more than twice as likely, twice as likely as the general population to identify as an atheist. It's kind of amazing given their age that they would already kind of self-identify as anything, uh, but 13%. But if you throw agnostics in there as well, now you're talking 21%, one in five teenagers. Uh, and this... this. Uh, research was done specifically with U.S. teens ages 13 to 18. Uh, 1490 was the sample size. Um, and so you're talking one in five just don't believe in God or want proof that there is God or don't know that there isn't a God. Uh, we can get into the proof thing here in a little bit too. Um, but that's, that's an amazing figure. Um, and it's even... It's even up from millennials uh, who are at 15% if you uh, count agnostics and atheists together. Uh, and then uh, Gen X was a 13%, but the big drop-off actually happened um, with the baby boomers. Um, you have like 9% and then up to 13 for Generation X and then 15 and then 21%. The real drop-off was uh, those that identified as uh, Christian. Uh, boomers were 75%, 75% identified as either Christian or Catholic. And then Gen X, that dropped to 65 So you lost 10 percentage points uh, just between those generations. And then Millennials are also at 65 um, But Generation Z, 59%, only 59% identify as Christian or Catholic. Uh, and other faiths is actually up. So it's just, it's an extraordinary drop-off. And then, so, okay, what's going on? Why, why is this going on? Here's where you get into um, what seems to be a fundamental problem. So the biggest problem that Generation Z had was reconciling the evil that exists in the world and a good and loving God. Uh, The verbiage particularly was, uh, I have a hard time believing that a good God would allow so much evil or suffering in the world. So this is a question people discuss and have discussed for a long time. Um, and it's almost to the point where it's a cliche or, a, dare I say, even an excuse. But this, is, so here is where things have kind of fallen apart because there's a fundamental misunderstanding. Um, so, number one, in case uh, nobody noticed, this isn't heaven, not by a long shot. Um, so, evil is going to be here. Um, that God has given the devil a degree of freedom in this world. The Bible even calls the devil, the God of this world. And so we shouldn't be surprised that there's evil things going on. There's also lots of unsaved people and even saved people while not chasing after sin. Um, we're still in the flesh and so we can still fall. Uh, hopefully we repent and try to make up for it, uh, to anybody that we've harmed through it or affected by it. But it, um, it goes to show, uh, Christians in particular, uh, need to be, we need to be in our best behavior because people are watching. But interestingly, along that vein, um, Generation Z did, was the least likely to view Christians as hypocrites. So it wasn't that, You know, Christians are behaving badly and that turns uh, people off. Um, This generation was just, they see so much evil in the world. Now, a lot of this has to do with constantly being bombarded by media uh, that's going to report bad news. What's the old line? If it bleeds, it leads. Uh, Because everybody now wants to get eyeballs and hits on their website and click throughs and all this other stuff. So, these sorts of bad news things um they attract viewers or readers so there's a lot more of this stuff just out there but this this misunderstanding about what the world is and what it means to have god in the world <clears throat> seems to be a really key thing uh, because the acknowledge the idea that somehow if God exists, the world is going to be a perfect place. So the fundamental gospel has been missed here. It and, and these uh decades now unfortunately, of this happiness gospel that if you just believe in God, you're going to achieve all your goals, you're gonna and it isn't even a prosperity thing, although that's certainly a big piece of it. You know, you're gonna get rich, you're gonna have a house, you're gonna do all this stuff, but there will just be nothing but good happening all the time. Well, that message being pumped out there directly contradicts what people can see with their eyes. And so it doesn't sync up. It sounds like a fantasy world. Um, and, and you, you see this in a lot of modern worship music, certainly in a lot of, um, uh, you know, sermons in that, and this, you know, how do you make your life better? All this other stuff. Um. In fact, one of the numbers out of this survey was really interesting because it was about Christian teenagers. And the the perception, the, the highest percentage of Christian teenagers when talking about going to church and their perceptions of church, they responded that church is a place to find answers, to live a meaningful life to live a meaningful at your best life. Now, uh, the purpose driven life. Well, so again, there's an issue with that. So the Bible certainly talks about the way people should live, but this idea of finding an answer to have a meaningful life. So this is this fulfillment thing. This ties into this happiness gospel. I'm going to have a fulfilling life. Well, First of all, how do you play that message in other parts of the world where Christians are persecuted brutally? Uh if not physically, they're certainly ostracized. They're they're left to do jobs that nobody else will do. You see this in places like Pakistan. They have like the worst jobs available, the things that nobody else would want to do because those are the only jobs they can get and they're left for Christians. And even even if you're not saved, if you're looking, if you're living in these other parts of the world where people just have very difficult lives, much more difficult than we have in this country, they see bad things happening all the time on a daily basis, and so you're going to have someone come in and say, "Yeah, just believe in Jesus, and you'll have a meaningful life, and things will get better," and da 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 da. Well, they can look around them and they can see that. Nobody's having a a good life they They have hardship um, because meaningful and all these things are being defined by the world, and if it isn't materialism, then it's you know, I want to achieve my goals or uh, something like that uh, the And so the gospel gets lost in this. that's the problem is that uh, so much uh, ministry, evangelism uh, to young people in particular. Has not been about the gospel. Uh, it, it maybe gets thrown in there at the end, uh, maybe. But it's about being cool. It's about being contemporary. It's about being cultural, right? Uh, again, I mean, you, you can look at uh, big churches and uh, small churches now, and they're just—they think that somehow they can attract young people by being like the world, but those type of contemporary things, they're distractions. Young people still see the world for what it is. It's an evil place. And so this this it's a it's a mixed message and it's one that seems out of sync. That if you just believe in Jesus, everything's gonna be great. And then these young people look at the world around them and like, oh yeah, there's all these Christians around. Why aren't things great? Um and so it doesn't sync up. It loses Um, it, it just falls off the table from a logic standpoint. It's like, you're almost talking down to the kids and thinking they're so stupid that they can't see what's going on around. And somehow, like if we just try to look like the world and act like the world, we can trick them into believing in Jesus. Um, but the problem with that is the world's always going to be better at playing the world than the church is, uh, unless the church sells out, which sadly, uh, it's been doing. Uh, Because you always got to move the bar farther and farther. Um, But just the simple message of the gospel, you know what? You don't need Jesus so that you can have a happier life. Uh, You don't uh, need Jesus so you can find meaning. There's plenty of Buddhists out there that have meaning in their life as they define it. Why do we need Jesus? We need Jesus because we've all sinned against a holy and perfect God who demands justice. And he will get justice. Uh, Thankfully for us, he's also loving and merciful. And he provides a way for us to not get the justice we deserve. He became a man, Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life that none of us can. And then he died for not his own sins, but the sins we committed. All these evil things the young people see in the world, Jesus died for that. And so now, if you, that gospel message, you know, everybody wants to be relevant or contemporary. The message that people are evil and that we need a savior, uh, young people can look around at the world and see that that's relevant. That's a contemporary message. The world is evil, they see it all the time. And so, if we just talk about the gospel, the Bible, And what young people see with their eyes sync up versus this other stuff that's going on, this happiness gospel that is out of sync. And so there's a credibility uh, issue when we try to think up clever ways uh, to get people saved ourselves. There's any number of problems with that. First of all, it's arrogant to think that we have a better way. Uh, than God has. What did God say? Preach the word. Preach the word in season and out of season. Not just when it's popular, not just when it's easy, but out of season as well. And it's certainly out of season now. But what did he say to do? Preach the word. That's it. Not try to trick people into the word. Not try to do cool things to entertain them and get them into a building so that they'll come back for an hour or two on Sundays and maybe show up to youth group on you know Wednesday nights or Friday nights or whatever. And then they all turn eighteen and they go off and you don't see them in church again anyway. So it's only a temporary. It's only a temporary satisfaction for people who are trying to pat themselves on the back with their ministries. Um, And so let me, let me stop and be very, very clear about something. Uh, I'm not saying that everybody who um, is involved in youth ministries and youth programs is trying to do this contemporary thing or trying to think they're smarter than God. Um, A lot of people think that way. Uh, And this isn't anything new, a Spurgeon in the downgrade controversy, Uh, pragmatism. Uh, If it works, keep doing it. But the definition of work is to get people to show up into a building. Well, that doesn't mean they're saved. Jesus said there'd be tears among the wheat. And you can see the fall off of young people once they turn 18, uh, that um, just getting them to show up to a building doesn't mean they're saved. Doesn't mean they're saved. Uh, I went to Christian schools growing up and to church on Sundays. I was at church six days a week and I wasn't saved. And most of the people I knew at church and school weren't saved. If you look at their fruits, as Jesus said, so, um, so it's, it, I think there's a lot of, even, even people who have the best of intentions, I think because, the church has been doing things this way for so, for so long now, for several decades, and there's all these programs, and there's all these materials, and there's all this stuff that is not the gospel. The gospel is like an appendage tacked onto the end so that we can say we're talking about the gospel, but the gospel aligns with what's going on in the world and what young people see in the world, that their sin everywhere, including, including in the mirror they look at. And that's the other part of what's gone on with uh, this generation and the previous generation. They've been so bubble wrapped um, to not be made to feel uncomfortable uh, or guilty or feel bad about anything that um, they don't understand that they are part of the evil. That they see in the world. They're not a spectator. They're involved in this. They do bad things. They treat people poorly. Uh, They lie. They steal. uh, They use people for their own pleasure and gratification, um, just like everybody else, which is why we all need Jesus. And so, if anything, the evil that they see in the world is the introduction and a, a, a wonderful way to talk about god's grace and love if the issue is why isn't god good why is why is there all this evil and he can't be good if he allows all this evil it's like no 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 no. there's evil because there's people here um but god is good because number one he's going to punish people nobody's going to get away with anything they may make it through this life getting away with a lot of stuff um but they're not going to get through eternity This life is nothing. It's a blink of an eye. It's a vapor. Here for a while and then gone away. Eternity is the big show. That's the one that goes on forever. And people, um, they're going to suffer the eternal punishment of God's wrath because God being eternal is eternally offended when we sin against him. But he is good and he is loving and he demonstrates his goodness and his love By saving us, by providing a way for us to be saved, by dying and rising again, to to pay for our sins, Jesus did that for us. He is the epitome of the expression of God's love and goodness so that we can have a wonderful eternity without all this evil and suffering. But that message gets just glossed over so much. And there's so much meat there. There's so much to talk about to glorify God um, for his goodness. So if these young people are thinking that God isn't good, we have a wonderful story to tell about that. And it shouldn't just be, oh, God's good because, you know, Jesus healed people and did lots of nice things and fed people. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he died and rose again. Um, But we never connect why. Why he had to do that? Because of our sins. And even a lot of times when we talk about sin, it's like, oh, well, you disobeyed your parents, right? And it's like, well, you know what? You've probably done more than that. You're mean to your siblings and people at school, you're greedy and prideful, uh, you, you commit all the sins that the rest of us do. You need God. There's this lack of a sense of urgency. There's almost this apathy towards religion, especially younger and younger you go. It's just like not a big deal. Well, that should tell us straight away that the seriousness of sin and the urgency of our need for a Savior has not been communicated. Youth programs are about, you know, playing games, doing arts and crafts, seeing lots of like cartoon characters and stuff, and everybody smiling, everything's good. It looks like a fairy tale. It looks like a fairy tale, and it doesn't sync up with people with what these young people are seeing in the world. And so we always we always think that uh, young people can't handle this, and unfortunately, we've so conditioned them to not be uncomfortable. We've probably contributed. Uh, to that, but you know what? There's nothing like the shock of reality and the reality of sin and God's justice to help people understand the need for God's mercy and His love and goodness uh, because people have a conscience and um, the Holy Spirit works on that conscience. And so we have to trust God to do this because the other problem with trying to come up with all these clever ideas and clever ways. Of evangelizing is that we might think we had something to do with somebody's salvation. Um, that, you know, it's a good thing God had me around or that person wouldn't have gotten saved. I mean, come on. Read Ephesians chapter 1. If you're doing your Bible re- uh, reading tonight, do uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, God decided before the foundation of the world who was going to be saved. Uh, we witness to people, and it is witnessing, it's not salesmanship. We witness because number one, Jesus told us to. Uh number two, it's our discipleship program. It shows our obedience to God. And number three, it glorifies God when we tell people of his goodness, that he is the He is the counter, He is the antidote to all this evil that's around us. There's gonna be evil in the world, but it isn't gonna last forever. Uh and so if you wanna If you want to be in the situation where you're not surrounded by bad things forever, if these young people don't have a stomach for this stuff now, um, what do they think about spending forever in hell? Nothing good going on there. So if they don't like this, they're really going to hate that. But God is so good that he spares us from that. He offers us a way. And he'll grant us repentance and he'll give us an obedient faith in Jesus. Not through the cleverness of man, the Bible says that our faith should not be based on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God, power of God. So I think we need to go back to just uh, preaching the word in season and out of season, just like the Bible says. Uh, I think God knows what he's doing. Uh, but uh, as we keep losing generations, um, everyone that comes along because our Clever little tricks haven't worked and they haven't worked for decades. Um, maybe we just need to go back to God's idea of how to tell people what he did for them and maybe not think we're so clever. Something to think about. Urgently think about. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, come and visit us on our website, JesusForSinners.com. There are links to the podcast. Um, again, you can listen on the website. You can listen on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify. We're trying to get on one or two others They haven't come through yet. Um, but take a listen. You can listen to back episodes. If you hadn't heard, uh, subscribe. Tell all your friends. We need people to know. And feel free to email us, email us at podcast at JesusForSinners.com. And that's going to do it. Hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much, everybody. God bless.